Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, good friends. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod and to this post-midterm celebration. Damn straight. We've got a lot to celebrate these days after the strong showing of Democratic and progressive candidates on November 8th. Defying all political and historical odds, we held on to the Senate, won the majority of hotly contested governor's races, and will either hold on to the House or lose it by only a mere handful of votes. All in all, it was a rout for MAGA Republicans, a repudiation for Donald Trump, a great victory for Democrats, and a triumph for Joe Biden. But of course, with politics, we hardly have time to celebrate or mourn the results of one election before we have to start building for the next one. So where do we stand one week after the midterms, and where do we go from here? Well, there's nobody better to take the pulse of the American electorate as we turn the corner from 2022 to 2024, then today's guest, our good friend Paul Begala, Democratic strategist and CNN political commentator. Paul Begala, welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Uh, now, look, Paul, we are doing this online, right? Uh, so I can't really see you, but I can still see a big smile on your face today. Paul, tell us how you feel about this. What came down on Tuesday? You know, it, it has been said that the most pleasurable emotion is not joy, it's relief. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Massive mm. relief. But also, as the relief faded, shock. Uh, and it's good to be our age and still be shocked by what voters can do. Uh, uh, you know, this mm -hmm. this was the the first time I I can find in all of American history when the voters put a brake pedal on a party that had no power. You know, every midterm's a brake pedal. Mm. It's almost always a brake mm -hmm. pedal on a president or a yep. new president. I get that, and I saw that coming. Yep. And yet, you know, the, the voters put a brake pedal on the radical Republicans in 1998 midterms because they were impeaching Clinton. But they had power. They had the House, they had the Senate, they had Newt. They were impeaching Bill Clinton. I get that. That was an important brake pedal against the Republicans, not against the president. But this time, the Republicans don't have the House, they don't have the Senate, they don't have the White House, and still voters said, whoa, let's not give them the car keys. It really, it's shocking. Yeah. I still haven't yeah. fully absorbed it. I don't think it's ever happened before in American history, where a party that had no power was seen as so likely to abuse power, they weren't even given a chance. Do you think the voters were sending a message? Oh, 100%. And uh, uh, I think yeah. for their side, they need to have a massive reckoning with the toxin that is Donald Trump. Uh, and he he ha is a lot of things, but the biggest thing he is, is a loser. He has never gotten more votes than a Democrat <laughs> ever since the mm -hmm. day he slithered down that escalator. He's never gotten more votes than a Democrat. <laughs> he cost him the House, he cost him the Senate, he cost him the White House, and he cost him Georgia runoffs. Now he's cost them an easy takeover of the House and the Senate. They may still get the House, but he, he's they have to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. I'm saying the Democratic side, you know, I think they're 
they didn't marry the Democrats. They just dumped the Republicans and then went and got a restraining order. So the Republicans can't get within 300 yards of a decent America. <laughs> so the Democrats still have to earn uh, the trust of, of the voters. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really an astonishing message, really directed at the Republicans. Right. I mean, it looks like the voters really took a look, right, at both parties and what both parties were offering, and they made a clear choice, right? They didn't, as you say, they didn't want any more of the bullshit about losing the election in 2020. Everything was stolen from us. Nothing's fair. You know, Uh, the whole system is crooked. I think it just seems to me that they just said enough, enough of that. That's exactly right, Bill. You know, all my life until this week, I believe that there's only two messages in American politics, only two messages in life. Stay the course or time for a change, right? And that's that's mm-hmm. in your life, in your career, in whatever. This time, the voters took a third choice because they want change, right? 80% think we're moving the wrong direction. I'm one of them, right? I, I But I think I have mm-hmm. different views than maybe my Republicans who say we're in the wrong direction. But this time, they didn't say stay the course. They didn't say time for change. They say what you said. Enough is enough. As we Catholics say, enough with the Michigas. <laughs> you know, it's enough, <laughs> enough craziness. Uh, and not even just craziness, that's too uh, benign, enough with the MAGA extremism. And I give Joe Biden a ton of credit for this. Everybody was saying, why isn't he talking about inflation and gas prices? He, because he is right that there's a much more existential threat. And when he highlighted that, voters responded. They don't want to lose their democracy. They don't like high gas prices, but by goodness, they are not going to lose their democracy to a bunch of MAGA extremists. Well, you know, you raised a question, Joe Biden. I was going to get to that. So let's just jump jump into it right now. I, I noticed CNN's running a story right now calling him the most underestimated president uh, in modern times. I mean, the poor guy, nobody wants to give him credit for anything, it seems to me. And yet he does deserve a lot of credit Oh my gosh. for uh, the Democratic victories this time. It has been that way the whole time. When he ran in the primaries, yeah. he went 46 and 12. Of course, we're Democrats. We have 58 contests in 50 states. But okay, fine. You know, Guam gets a primary, Puerto Rico. I think France gets one. I'm not sure. But he won 46. 46. Bill Clinton never won 46. We all thought he was a genius. Barack Obama never won 46. We all thought he was a genius. Joe wins 46, and they 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 poop all over him. He becomes president. Right. In two years, he's done more than a guy half his age could have done in twice the time. The, the Recovery Act, a quarter of a billion shots in arms defeating the coronavirus, uh, the most important expansion of veterans' health care since, I don't know, the GI Bill, uh, it, it, the the biggest expansion of our investment in tech and onshoring the jobs of the future with, with that uh, bill, uh, with the infrastructure bill, the first guy to beat the NRA since Bill Clinton did it 30 years ago. I mean, he, and by the way, Katanji Brown-Jackson and a couple of scores of other great judges so uh, this is what, th- this is my, sort of my shorthand is what the kids say when I used to coach them. Scoreboard, like people that don't want Biden to run, I say, scoreboard, what, what has he not <laughs> right. done? I mean, what, you have a record like that. And I know he, I mean, LeBron James is old too, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to trade him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. I mean, Biden, two things I think that, that he really did that resonate. One, he coined this phrase, at least I give him credit for it, MAGA Republican, right? right? Which that really identified the extremists. And it also gave some people a little cover saying, I'm not one of them, right? So I can be a Republican and still vote for a Democrat. Uh, and also, he, as you say, he stressed 
democracy, which was on the line. And people, we heard when he gave that second second speech on democracy, everybody said, oh, God, what's he talking about that for, right? I think he knew, right? He did because he still, this is the hardest thing when you're in the presidency, he's still connected with the folks he grew up with. He's still connected mm-hmm. with what Bill Clinton used to call walking around folks. You know, Clinton was always worried about losing touch with walking <laughs> around folks. You know, the, the, I'm sure President Obama loved going home to Hawaii or to Chicago to get back in touch. Biden has never lost touch with them. That's been absolutely critical. And the job can be isolating and the building is isolating. But he's still got his finger on the pulse of that middle class, uh, you know, American dream and and those deeper than partisan patriotic uh, roots. Uh, my favorite stat out of this election is from AP VoteCast. Associated Press says, independence in Arizona broke for the Democrats by a margin of 31 points. In, in, in wow. Michigan, by a margin of 28. In Pennsylvania, yeah. by a margin of 18. So independence, yeah, of course, he, Democrats mm-hmm. ran the table with their voters. Republicans did very well with their own, but you're right. Biden's ability to segregate out, to say, look, all Republicans are not bad, my goodness. But the MAGA extremists, mm-hmm. the yeah. MAGA, mega MAGA, that when he, when he cabins them off, that's only about 30% of the country. That's not half. And um, I think it's right to call them out because I do think many of them are a danger to democracy. Yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, here's what I can't, maybe you can help me understand. How did our friends in the media from the New York Times to Politico, uh, name them all, CNN, everybody. How did they get it so freaking wrong ahead of time? I mean, how sick we were of reading about the red wave right, right, about yeah. to hit. I, I think, first off, history is inexorable. It has been until mm-hmm. this year. There's only twice that a newly elected president gained seats in a midterm, and that was 34 during the Great Depression and 02 after 9-11. Was Dobbs and was January 6th equivalent to 9-11? I didn't think so. I thought it was very important. And I thought they should Mm -hmm. have had 50, 60, 70 seats in the House. And I did say, if the average is 30, I would take the under because they're going to underperform. But uh, I think nobody Mm -hmm. could really imagine. Every important uh, mistake in life is a failure of imagination, right? And this is one of them, certainly on my part. I'll take my responsibility. When you have seven or eight out of 10 Americans saying we're in the wrong direction, inflation high, presidential yeah. approval low, and history. It's, it was impossible for me to imagine holding the House. We may not, but I, I did think the, right. the, the Senate was a coin toss because of the two MVPs of the Democratic Party. And I need to give them public credit for this. The most important Democrats in America in this election were Sam Alito and Donald Trump. God bless <laughs> them. Justice Alito with his um, radical opinion in the Dobbs case, and Mr. Trump with his radical slate of candidates all across the country, um, they really helped a lot. And Schumer did his job, Pelosi did her job, Biden did his job, but I don't think we could have done it without Sam Alito and Donald Trump. So Sam and Donnie, thank you. By the way, (laughs) Alito's Alito's Phillies lost to my Astros in the World Series makes me doubly happy. Uh, careful there. We have a lot of listeners on the East Coast. I love Philly. I live <laughs> there, but you know, I saw Justice Alito on TV at that game, and I thought, this makes me double down on my Astros. You know, with, without um, being too, maybe too optimistic about looking at the returns, there's something else that happened that seems to be post-election that 
um, well, this is different, right? The losers, for the most part, actually were willing to concede defeat, right? Uh, and there wasn't as much chaos in terms of challenges of votes and uh, that we feared, right? Do you think maybe there's a turning point in people saying, let's just you know, accept the results of the elections and move on. You know, that's a really getting good back point. to that. That's a really good point, Bill. You know, um, the big debate among Democrats, maybe even Republicans, is is Trump a unique threat? Uh, and I, yeah. I'm not sure. I kind of mm-hmm. think yes. Uh, Trumpism is is awful. I certainly don't support Ron DeSantis, but boy, I respect that landslide he won, and I want to study it. Um, but we're seeing. Yeah. That perhaps, I'm not ready to, to make a final conclusion on this debate, but it looks like Trump is unique, that he is a distinct threat, that as, as eccentric as those MAGA election deniers were, you know, even Doug Mastriano, who was at the January 6th rally, even he didn't call right, right. for the Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. What did Trump say? Stand by and stand back. Uh, and, and he didn't, no one, no one has called for violence. Um, and Trump came awful close. Right. I don't want to really say he didn't really call for violence, but but from the January 6th committee testimony, it looks like he sure enjoyed it and he sure didn't stop it. And we haven't seen any of that. So it does suggest that those who believe that Trump is an, a unique threat, the Liz Cheney view, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they, they sort of had, uh, uh, I think, a pretty good uh, uh, evidence from this election. I'm, I'm glad you raised that. Yeah, I mean, even Mehmet Oz, right, conceded. Right. Even Mastroianni took him a few days, but he finally, he finally conceded. Let's right? see if and I don't think any of them have. Carrie Lake, if Lake, we haven't called the race yet in Arizona for governor, but let's see if if Ms. Lake loses, will right. she concede? I don't think. Last I looked, Mr. Masters has not conceded, and um, you know, nobody in history ever had to make a tougher concession than Hillary Clinton in 2016, and she did it, and then she attended that uh, distinguished gentleman's inauguration. And uh, right. b- by the way, it's still mm-hmm. the first words ever spoken about the Trump presidency were the truest and the ones that should be etched in stone. Uh, George W. Bush, former president, after as George soon, W. Bush, as Trump, as soon as Trump finished his inaugural address, George W. Bush turns to my friend Hillary Clinton and said, well, that was some weird shit. <laughs> that is the, that's the whole Trump era. That is the that is the uh epitaph of the trump era let's put it on his tombstone <laughs> right <laughs> well we hope he well, lives a long you, a long life i just don't want him to uh, be anywhere near the oval yeah. office again you and i in many campaigns have ha- faced this challenge of getting young people out to vote damn it this time they really did god bless them huh I, I what do you a, think brought them out i give them a ton of credit a ton you know, my friends in the Biden White House say it, it was the uh, college debt loan forgiveness, a policy I hate and still hate. So, it, but it looks like that helped politically. Uh, I still don't like it for a host of reasons, most of them having to do with class, right? I, I, if we have scarce resources, mm-hmm. we, for a fraction of the cost of the college debt, we could have pre-K for every single poor kid in America for a fraction. So anyway, I, I, I have different priorities, but, but I have to acknowledge that it seemed to have a great benefit. Uh, I also... Just this generation, I, I teach I teach at UVA where last night there was a mass shooting, uh, but I've taught at Georgetown, oh, I've taught at the University of Texas, yeah, I've taught at the University of Georgia. So I've taught at four universities and I have four boys in their 20s. So I've been around that generation a lot. I really believe they are the next greatest generation. And it's not just so we bought them off with mm-hmm. college debt. At a, at a time when maybe a different country or a different generation would be, you know, 
turning to violence the way that the far right has. These folks are answering hate with patriotism, with voter registration, with activism in its best. You know, I, I guess I'm thinking so much about UVA, Bill. My son was a student when Heather Heyer was murdered, when those animal neo-Nazis oh, marched yeah. on the mm -hmm. sacred grounds. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I went there the day after to see our son and to grieve. I went to the spot where Heather was murdered. And as we do in America, it was covered with teddy bears, flowers, notes. I stood there, Bill, for 90 minutes, and I wept and I cried, mm. and I read as many mm. of the notes as I could. And I will tell you, as God is my witness, not a single one vowed vengeance or hatred. Every one of them said, mm. we love you, we remember you, love is the answer. It was, mm. it was emblematic of that generation that they seem somehow mm -hmm. to have the capacity to answer hate with love. And so I think the high turnout, maybe it was, you know, the, the college debt thing, and maybe I got to give Biden and them credit for policy I can't stand. I think it's even deeper than that, though. <laughs> I think this is a terrific generation, and uh, they're, they're going to save us all if we can just get over the hump of, uh, <laughs> of our generation. <laughs> right. <laughs> and don't you think, also, you alluded earlier to the Dobbs decision and the Samuel Alito. Um, that was a real, it seems to me, a real motivation too, right? Not just the abortion thing, but the assault on rights, abortion now, and maybe gay rights to come, and then who knows what else, right? That's right. That's right. To go uh, back to our generation, yeah. it's Joni Mitchell. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, and and mm -hmm. I think um, uh, up and down the generations, but particularly, you know, younger people, they're more directly affected by it. They didn't ever really imagine, going back to the failure of imagination, that this could happen. So old folks like us said, hey, look, they're going to go back to pre-Roe. And I think a lot of people, you know, understandably said, nah, they'll never do that. And I think actually Democrats should leverage that. I think we should go and say, you remember how we told you they were going to repeal Roe and nobody believed us and then they did it? Now they're going to go after Social Security yep. and Medicare. They, they always promise it. We mm -hmm. always stop them. But if we give them power... Just like you've relied on, on Roe for 50 years, you've relied on Social Security for 75, they're going to take it away from you. I, I believe it's true. I think these people are really radical. Um, and I, I think you're right. The, the Dobbs decision yeah. is, it is, it is a tragedy and a travesty. Uh, and American people are just not putting up with it. Yeah. And by the way, you know, we're not just uh, sounding the alarm bell with uh, Social Security and Medicare. Kevin McCarthy said that's all the. That's one of their agenda items, right? Right. They want to uh, shut down the government the debt ceiling in order to cut yeah. Medicare and Social yeah. Security. Rick Scott, the chairman of the right. Senate Congressional Committee for the Republicans, said that too. Said Ron thing. Johnson said it. Uh, and and again, Biden, every speech, he repeated that Kevin McCarthy, R Rick Scott, and and Ron Johnson want to put it on the chopping block. And uh, you know, uh, Democrats who were smart listened to Biden and repeated that message. Uh, Paul, there were, let's face it, some disappointments, of course. Uh, Tim Ryan in Ohio, big disappointment for me. He ran such a great campaign. Um, look at Florida. You mentioned uh, Florida. Uh, look at Texas. You're from Texas, Paul. Is there any hope for Texas? Well, there's always hope. Florida? There's always or hope. Ohio, or you Ohio. Know, well, what do we got to do? Take all of them. Those are some of the best candidates I've ever seen. Uh, and Sherry Beasley in North Carolina. Yep. Let's not forget yep. her. Chief Justice yes, Beasley. Yes, add her, add her, please. Chief Justice you. Beasley is like what the founding fathers, well, if, if they weren't slave owners, <laughs> but the founding fathers should have wanted in this benefit, right? It, she's, I don't know her personally, but I just tell you, she's just like the model of what I would want to see in the Senate. Uh, so is Chief Demings, Val Demings, the former police chief in Orlando. So is Tim Ryan. 
Um, when when folks like yep. that run, yep. and we don't, the National Party didn't support them. And I know they have to make tough decisions. They raised enough. They raised enough. That's not why they lost. But how do how do people like you and I go to the next Val Demings, the next Sherry Beasley, the next Tim Ryan, and say, "Hey, get in this race mm-hmm. and do this." Mm-hmm. Um, I, I followed Tim's race exceedingly closely, and I believe he did everything right. And you know, but he yep. had a, he had uh, Mike DeWine, a non-Trump Republican, twenty-five points ahead. Right. Uh, and he's running in a state that yep. even with presidential turnout, uh, Trump did better in Ohio than he did in Texas. He won Ohio by over eight points. Mm-hmm. So it just was too heavy a lift. Uh, the the uh, Texas will turn. I promise you. My son, Billy, is there in Austin. He's with Forward Majority. They have a 10-year plan. Um, we're working on it. We're going to keep getting closer and closer. Uh, I think it has to start at the grassroots, start the legislature. Mm-hmm. Uh, she barely hung on, but Lena Hidalgo, the very young, uh, she's the county judge, which is what they call the county executive in Texas. She runs the biggest county in Texas. Her county, Harris County, includes Houston. It is bigger than half the states in America. And she barely won. They wow. almost knocked her off. Oh, she did win. And she's, uh-huh. the people like that are kind of the future. But I think we ought to look to grassroots. And, and people, frankly, like my kid, who are there gr- organizing at the grassroots, uh, I, it hasn't worked to come in with a savior from above. And I love Beto. But, you know, he got beat bad. And I think we got to build a grassroots beneath these superstar candidates who come to run uh, like like uh, a Beto. Um, but we, we have got to do more. We've got to do better. But uh, actually, if you if you look at the tea leaves, we're coming back already in South Texas with Hispanics who we alienated. We're not coming back in Miami-Dade. I can't imagine that I've lived to see a day where a right-wing mm-hmm. Republican wins Miami-Dade by 10. Hillary won by 30. Just just the other day, she won by 30. Now we lost by 10. Um, that, that's, yeah. that's Democrats need to put a ton of work into Florida. So moving forward, uh, we've been talking a lot about what happened uh, this week. And now we, as always, we just barely get off one election. When we start thinking about the next one, let's take a quick break. When we come back with Paul Begala, um, looking ahead, looking forward here on the Bill Press Pod. Well, for today's break, there's only one word, my friends, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Yes, indeed, Georgia is very much on our minds. Now, look, uh, we know that uh, this special election is not going to anymore determine the control of the Senate, but it is still vitally important because with 51 votes, not just 50, Democrats will be able to control every single Senate committee. They don't have to split the committees and give equal seats to the Republicans. And plus, you know, we don't want the national embarrassment of having somebody so totally unqualified as Herschel Walker in the United States Senate. So we got to give everything we can until between now and December 6th for the good Senator Raphael Warnock. Please go to his website, warnockforgeorgia.com, warnockforgeorgia.com, and send him as much help as you can to give Democrats 51 seats, total control of the United States Senate. And thank you. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? 
Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back. Our guest today, Democratic strategist, longtime good friend of mine, Paul Begala, and of course, CNN, uh, longtime CNN political contributors. We had a lot of good days together at CNN, Paul. So um, it's Tuesday, uh, November 15. And the world is going to change because Donald Trump is going to announce tonight <laughs> that he's running again for president of the United States. Uh, Paul, well, let's let's start. Do, do you do you think Donald Trump should get all the blame for or most of it for what happened twenty twenty two? And what do you think about his bouncing from that to saying, "So I'm going to run for president again"? Yeah, they, as as the Book of Proverbs says, Bill, you're a man of faith like me. As a dog returns to his vomit. So does a fool return to his folly. That's holy scripture. And so Trump is just living out that scripture. Um, it's biblical. It is biblical. Um, and yeah. of course he deserves the blame. It's not just you and I on our side. Uh, uh, John Podhoretz, nobody more conservative than him. He's a columnist for the uh, New York Post, a Murdoch right-wing paper. He said right. that uh, Trump is a, a voter repellent. Um, and he mm. infected, the, the, first off, he infected recruiting, right? Mitch McConnell couldn't get Pat Toomey to stay in the Senate, who's, he's still probably younger than half the senators, Pennsylvania senator, probably would have won, certainly would have won. Right. So they lose yeah. that seat. And he replaces him with Mehmet Oz, who we know is uh, controversial and unpopular. And he, he's a loser. Uh, the, the, the same thing uh, in Maryland, very hard for Republicans to win Maryland, but Larry Hogan has won it twice in landslides. He's a Republican anti-Trump moderate, couldn't recruit him to run. Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, a very swing state, very popular. He won re-election in a landslide while Maggie Hassan, the Democrat, won re-election to the Senate. If, if they could have gotten any or all of those three, that's three seats they gave up, that McConnell was recruiting mm -hmm. hard and Trump messed up. Uh, and then he give, puts all of these MAGA extremists in, in, in you know, Oz in Pennsylvania, Masters in uh, uh, Arizona, uh, Laxalt in Nevada, and he he loses all those races. It's a little like 
It's like Daryl Royal, the old football coach at Texas, used to say about cockroaches. And I'm not calling our former president cockroach. He's a lovely man and a child of God, and we pray for him. But Coach Royal used to say about cockroaches, it's not what they carry off out of the kitchen that bothers me. It's what they fall into and mess up. Well, Trump fell into more races and messed them up for the Republicans. And of course he has to take the blame. Mm -hmm. And do you think Republicans are going to nonetheless stick with him for 2024? I mean, we've seen this movie before, Paul, right? After right. he slammed John McCain, everybody said, oh, that's it, right? You right. Know, he'll never survive. Or, or after the Access Hollywood tapes, oh, that's it, right? Now he's gone. After January 6th, oh, God, you know, that's the end of Trump. Now here we are again, right? I, I think you're right, Bill. What are they going to do? do you I, I don't know. Of course, not my part in yours, and I'm often wrong. I have yet to see the Republicans mount the courage and the constancy and the commitment. Uh, uh, some have, obviously, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, several others. But they're a small group and a small yep. and very brave band. Right. But, you know, McConnell has a spine of a jellyfish. He stands up to Trump and then he backs down. McCarthy, even worse. Stands up and then he backs down. Um, I believe that Trump is the king of the plurality. You know, he he won the nomination because they have winner take all system with thirty to forty percent in most states. He very only to the mm -hmm. very end did he command a majority in his own party. But when you have when you have a winner take all system like they do, and you have a multi candidate field, and you want my predictions, I think uh, some or all of these Republicans will run. Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor. Asa Hutchinson, who will retire by term limits soon as governor of mm -hmm. Arkansas. Uh, the, the, probably DeSantis. Everybody's talking about him. Uh, maybe Glenn Youngkin, the Virginia governor. By the way, Youngkin kept Trump out of the state, tried to keep his distance, and he did better yep. than Trump in every single county in Virginia. So there is a post-Trump path here. Um, and and yet they don't seem to want to take it. So I think he'll have four or five opponents and he'll steamroller them just like he did the last time with the plurality in order to take all systems. So I think you're going to be right back. Who the hell knows? And again, I'm often wrong. I think we could be right back to uh, Biden versus Trump. Yeah, I don't think they, ha uh, uh, again, the voices you mentioned, add Larry Hogan, of course. Yes. Right? Um, but um, I think the party itself, um, particularly with people like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, are going to stick with Trump once again. Uh, why should they do it? Why should we expect them to do it any differently, right. right, this 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 time this time around? Well, they're all scared to death of the base. And in the House especially, the gerrymandering makes the base so powerful that even as election deniers yeah. statewide, I think all but one lost. J.D. Vance is one of the few election liars, let's call them. Uh, almost all of them lost. But in House districts, because of gerrymandering, the number of election deniers in the Republican conference actually increased. The Washington Post says two-thirds of the Republicans in the new Congress will be people who have embraced some form of election denying. That's a crisis for their party. But it doesn't suggest it's a party that's ready to break with Trump. In the near term, Paul, December 6th, Senate runoff in Georgia. How do you assess the chances for... Uh, the good Senator Warnock. Well, I, I am biased. I have uh, uh, worked in Georgia, yeah, lived in Georgia. <laughs> I have family and friends in Georgia. And of course, I'm in constant touch with them now. Here's what they're telling me. With the Senate decided 
and with the Republican governor comfortably reelected, there's less impetus for Republicans to turn out and vote for someone as flawed as Herschel. You know, so I think it looks very good for Reverend Warnock. The Democrats are still motivated. Uh, 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 It's enormously important for the Democrats. If you have 51 rather than 50, you actually have a majority in every committee. With 50-50, each committee has to be Mm -hmm. split 50-50. So it's enormously important for the Democrats. It's less important for the Republicans. uh, And they've reelected Kemp. This is another thing that shocked me. You know, back in my day, we had lots and lots of ticket splitters. Lots and lots and lots. Then they went to pretty much zero in the age of Trump. This week's, last week's elections was the return of the tickets. But I, 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 my analogy is uh, great news for we environmentalists out of Ecuador. Scientists in Ecuador found a harlequin frog, which we thought was extinct. And they found it. We're very happy the harlequin frog exists. Well, guess what? The ticket splitter, which I thought was exi- extinct, <laughs> they found 140,000 right. Georgians who voted for Brian Kemp and Raphael Warnock, 140,000 ticket splitters. Um, that's amazing. Mm. Mm. But I think for those Republicans yeah. who crossed over and 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 voted for, and by the way, another 60,000 voted for Kemp and then just didn't vote at all in the Senate race. So there's a 200,000 vote mm-hmm. differential yeah. between Stacey Abrams, the Democrat candidate for governor, and Reverend Warnock. So I think the steam is kind of out of the uh, uh, engine for the Republicans in Georgia. And it is not for my Democratic friends. When I talk to them, they're, they're as excited as they can be. And call me old-fashioned, but, you know, holding a gun to your to your wife's head, that's kind of a deal breaker for me. Allegedly. Allegedly. He denies it. Allegedly. But, uh, gee whiz, that's uh, set aside everything else. That's a bit of a deal breaker, don't you think? Well, you know, Paul, again, as you say, we're both, we're both Catholics. We're both right, people of faith. Yeah, maybe we have a little different perspective. I also think not being able to remember how many kids you've fathered right, <laughs> and and failed to support uh, kind of counts for something, too. So I pick up the New York Times this morning, and here's a lead story well above the fold, right at the top. Oh, my God. Biden's turning 80 on Sunday, right. so forget about Joe Biden. I mean, uh, Paul, uh, uh, in Iowa, they just reelected Chuck Grassley, Republican. He's 89, right. for God's sakes. What What is this, um, you know, this obsession with Joe Biden's age? And do you think he should run in 2024? Uh, I do, if he wants to. It is going to be very hard. You know, Bakari Sellers is a dear friend of mine and yours. He's a, a, a former uh, legislator in South Carolina, a really smart guy. He thinks even yeah. if the president runs, he'll be primaried. I tend to doubt it. But really? He, that's what yeah. Bakari thinks. He's, a, he's smarter than I am, but I doubt it. Maybe some, uh, you know, gadfly candidate. But but he, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. And so he's he said this at his press conference. The president's going to go away with his family between Thanksgiving and Christmas, have a team meeting. Because he's got to be all in, heart and soul, the same way right. he was in the last election. Um, if he decides that, I'm all in for him. Because as I say, he's done more in two years than someone half his age could have done in four. And why would I not want to keep him in the job? You know, it's it, we have a great bench. Should he decide to retire, he can do that knowing he's got a raft of new impressive governors. I mean, my goodness, Wes Moore. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 
well, uh, Gretchen Whitmer was just re-elected. J.B. Pritzker was re-elected. Jared Polis was right. re-elected. I mean, uh, uh, go around your governor, Newsom in California, Jay Inslee up in Washington, Roy Cooper in North Carolina. I mean, there are some terrific Democrats who have uh, kind of emerged Absolutely. during the Biden right. era. So he could retire with a clear, clean conscience, knowing that his party's in good shape. If he chooses to run, I don't know why Democrats would look anywhere else. So I, 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 to me, he's done such a great job. Why would you not keep him in the job? And he's the only guy who beat, as you pointed out, who beat Donald Trump, right? So uh, as, as Joe says, I did it once. I can do it again. Well, in rematches, again, look at Stacey, versus, Stacey Abrams versus Brian Kemp. She's a phenomenal candidate. She did much worse the second time. I don't think that's her fault. I think it's that people say, hey, wait a minute, that's a rematch. We've already got a governor. Are you being a sore loser? I mean, I just think rematches are very, very difficult for the challenger to win. Uh, it's very rare that that happens. So, uh, and I, I watched, you know, with somebody with Abrams talent get really beat badly. Uh, and it, it, I think, of course, Trump never learns from anything, but I, I think Trump ought to look at that and say, my goodness, if someone with that kind of talent did worse the second time, maybe I will too. Yeah, Paul, um, again, thank you so much for your time today. I want to ask you just, just in sort of a closing comment. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, maybe weeks ago, but certainly months ago, uh, a lot of us were feeling um, that democracy itself was really at stake and democracy itself was threatened. And while we're in a couple of years about to celebrate our 250th anniversary, that maybe democracy <laughs> won't be still around to celebrate. How do you feel today? Are you optimistic about the direction of America, where we're going as a people? More, more optimistic, Bill. You know, um, again, it's a, it's a Bidenism. He always says, really? never yeah. bet against America. You know, we, we mm -hmm. at every critical juncture, more of us decide to go with democracy than not. And uh, th I never thought we'd see this kind of thing. You know, you read the old stories about uh, the America firsters and the Nazi movement in America in the 30s, Charles Lindbergh and others. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, I can't right. think of the guy's name. The guy that, that made the documentary about Cory Booker. It's great, called Street Fight. He also made a brief short about a Nazi rally at Madison Square Garden in the 1930s. Um, his mm. name is Marshall. I can't remember his last name. People should look it up. Uh, it, it almost happened here. And FDR saved us, and the American people saved us. Um, it, it it could still happen here in our lifetimes, but the the voters, especially the young folks, came in and said, "No, actually, this is our country, this is our democracy, and we we saved it one more time." And it gives me enormous hope, and and um, it really does. It restores my my faith in American democracy to see in a tough time with a tough economy. People say, well, yeah, that's all true, but we're going to set that aside because these people, uh, these extremists, not all Republicans, these extremists really are a threat to our democracy. Paul, it almost makes me want to play a good chorus of Happy Days Are Here Again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we haven't, we haven't, Paul Begala, you're, you're just uh, such a great friend, such a great uh, uh, tribute to this nation. And I'm to a fan the, of the uh, pod. That's uh, what I am. I'm a, a wonderful, loyal listener and fan and, of the Bill Press and, Thank you. And a wonderful world of politics. You're, you're the best, Paul. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, my brother. Take care.
Uh, and that's it. What a great time with uh, Paul Begala, today's podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. And, of course, we'll be back on Friday with our roundtable, very important roundtable this week because a lot's going on in Washington. Republicans, uh, they will be caucusing to find out in the House who's going to be maybe the next Speaker of the House. Don't count on Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker uh, necessarily because the Freedom Caucus, they've got the knives out for uh, Kevin McCarthy. We'll catch up with that and all the other news of the week from Washington on a roundtable this Friday. So in the meantime, uh, have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Come back and see us for Friday's roundtable, the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.